Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, I speak with Matthew Januzek. You can find him at Matthew J-N. U-S-Z-E-K on Instagram. He's the co-founder of Escape Fitness, amongst many other businesses that he started along his journey. He is an entrepreneur, and he has taken Escape Fitness from just a small startup with minimal capital to a major international business chosen by premier fitness brands around the world. Matthew and I discuss everything from fitness trends to important concepts to keep in mind when building your fitness business or your fitness gym, and and not only from a physical perspective like spacing and lights and weights, but also the psychological and more business-minded perspectives. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed speaking with Matthew. With no further ado, here's our conversation. Matthew, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Why don't you go ahead and give my audience and the listeners a background and a bio on who you are, what it is that you've done in health and fitness, and what it is that you do day to day right now in health and fitness? <laughs> That's a big question. Um, <laughs> um, well, I'm uh, where, so okay. Let's narrow it down. Where would you like? Is there any bits that you want me to start? Sure. Where, I've been doing uh, it for twenty five years. How did you get introduced into health and fitness? What was your first like leeway into it? And, and then how did you progress to, to doing what it is that you do right now? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I was originally um, a sort of a 16-year-old uh, fan of pumping iron and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I, I sort of fell in love with bodybuilding and um, weight training at a young age. And I, I guess that, that's probably where I got the bug. And, um, and for sort of many years managed to find a way of uh, turning that passion into a business which is which is what I'm uh, doing at the moment but I think it was something that for whatever reason I was uh, pretty passionate about it as a kid uh, probably had people around me that, that used to lift weights and and sort of friends and and sort of fathers of friends that, that were doing it so I'm sure some of that influence must have must have rubbed rubbed off on me and and that's how I caught the bug and what is your day-to-day like now in the fit, fitness and health world? Are you helping gyms out? Are you helping individual trainers out? Are you working with clients? What is your day like? Yeah, we've got a, a fitness equipment company called Escape Fitness. Uh, one of the, I guess one of the larger companies in the functional training space. So we work with gyms around the world uh, in about probably 50 countries. And we have a direct operations in UK and the USA, which is where I am. And we basically, people come to us and they say they've got a, uh, a boutique studio, a, a gym, uh, a box, you name it, they'll come to us. And similar to the, for anyone who can see the visuals, but something similar to the place in the background, they'll come to us and share their vision and world design. Uh, I guess sort of beautiful, outstanding facilities. And, and then we, we manufacture all the equipment that goes in it and we provide all the training and, and education to help people understand how to how to make the most of the investment. We do a little bit of residential, but it's it's predominantly sort of, you know, a, a particular type of um, high-end studio that, that's looking to do, just to stand out from, from all the other gyms in the market. I guess if you look at the place behind us, you, you'll notice it's probably not your traditional gym, although it is probably a place that you'd, you'd love to work out and if it's, if it's something you owned yourself. What gave you and the company the impetus to, to do this? Did you feel like there was a space needed for this in the industry? Was it a financial decision? Was it because you yourself found it difficult to find, let's say, unique functional fitness equipment to use in sort of smaller level personal training type gyms? 
It was really an evolution. We've been going, I think I mentioned, for 24 years. So we started selling dumbbells and weight plates in the beginning. And, and as we all good companies, you, you need to be thinking about how you can differentiate yourself in a crowded market, although it wasn't particularly crowded when we started. It, it is now. So it's always important about what what can do differently. People would notice you, number one, and so that you can provide some sort of unique value. And and the industry was very different when we started. You know, they they were it, it gone from the sort of spit and sawdust style of bodybuilding gyms, which is where I grew up in, and then you had these big boxes appearing where they were predominantly cardio, from 60, 70, 80 percent cardio, and then a few weights. And, and so when we started selling free weights, it wasn't as popular as what it is now. It certainly wasn't as popular as it was just before the introduction of things like CrossFit, which I think brought free weight training really to the mainstream. And, um, and so we, we, we've just evolved, you know, keeping an eye on trends and, and, and trying to solve the, the, the problems that are in the market. And that, I think that's something that you always need to do. Uh, what, what type of gym do you work out at? So I work out at uh, like physically at a big box gym that has everything that has a basketball court that has saunas that has spas that has turf so that you can do like a large, I would say like 50 yards by 30 yards area of turf. So you can do functional fitness that has kettlebells and TRX suspension trainers and bands and ropes and all of that and boxing equipment. I mean, you, you name it, this gym has all of it. Now I don't personal train out of there specifically. I personal train out of my home virtually. Uh, I will do some things uh, locally. I will visit, but because I, I handle a lot of different things. I have a, a, a fitness software company. I have a, a book and a course that I sell, and I mentor trainers that I work with one-on-one. So I probably only personal train about eight to 10 hours a week. And again, that's mm-hmm. most, mostly virtually, but I've worked in all sorts of gyms, all different sizes. I appreciate and probably respect the, the small gym setup more because you have to do more with less, both from a space standpoint and from a, I would say, a, a fiscal standpoint. And I'm sure that's a little bit uh, of what you guys do. You can tell me, but if I have Steve's gym and I'm whatever, like you know, a thousand square feet, and I say this is the amount of money I have, do you, Matthew, or your company, help them design the gym and pick out the particular equipment if they're not sure which equipment they should have? Yeah, I suppose so. So in your case, you know, personal trainer, that as you know, your it's there's thousands of people probably even in your close geography. So how do you differentiate yourself really? That that's kind of a big thing. And, and you, you know, you've got a book and, and a number of other things and a podcast. So, so you're probably getting your name out there and you're, 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 you're probably recognized in a way that maybe some of the other trainers are not. Um, my, my guess is another thing is, you know, a lot of trainers are in terms of their education and their knowledge is, is how do you, how do you sort of acquire certain skills for a particular demographic, again, to be able to be the best person that you can be at, at providing a service and getting results, you know, whether it's athletes or general, you know, like men, women, whatever it is. So, so the skills are really important. And then, it, and then the experience, you know, it could be, could be just a great virtual online experience. It could be when you come into your, facility if you work out from home or if you have your own space how to you know what what are the are the elements around the um the studio you know you don't have to spend a fortune on doing what we're doing but but certainly 
if you can have a, a location that's memorable, it's clean, it's tidy, it's organized and, 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 uh, you know, it smells great and, and just, just everything about it is, 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 is there's something distinctive about it. And, and so what we do is if anybody, I guess, comes to us um, with a business, whether they're a personal training studio or a, a, a boutique studio or, or whatever they're trying to do, I, I always get people to think of, okay, look, you know, who, who is it you're going after? Because I think the days of being all things to all people are, 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 are probably gone. And, yeah. and to be able to compete with these mega companies that, that like, like the, probably the gym that you've, you've, you've mentioned, you know, they've probably spent a few million on, on building that out. So if you're a startup, um, it's very difficult to compete with those. But, but if you are an independent trainer, then, then what, what can you do differently? And, and so number one is looking at the, the types of clients that would go to that big box gym and, and think about, well, who are the people that are probably not being served here? Um, it could be the sort of over 50 men that are at a certain particular stage in their life where they've got the young trainers that don't really appreciate what it's like to be an over 50s guy. Um, you know, they're trying to give them exercises that their body probably doesn't fit with particularly well. And they don't appreciate, you know, mentally where they are and what they want to achieve. And they, they may, may not be able to relate quite in the same way. So, you know, maybe it's trying to understand where they are in their life, the fact that they've got families and wives and jobs and all this sort of stuff. And, and being able to provide a solution that tailors with those, you know, being able to sort of pack on a little bit of muscle, give them a certain type of training, communicate in the same way, provide value around the um, you know, in terms of the marketing, provide useful information for where that person is at that stage in their life to sort of help them, you know, recover well, eat well, you know, supplementation, which is different. So, so it's really, you know, what, what we do with clients is, is try and sort of look at where they are in a business and, and, and help them identify who they want to go after and then build a solution from the equipment, from the education and support on, you know, whether it's even marketing to be able to be, the sort of best person in the in the, the business to service them and you, you'll probably be able to do that a lot in the big box because you're because you're focused and um and, and i guess you know coming back to the very beginning you know what we try and do as an organization is specialize in a particular area we don't do rows of cardio and strength machines we really focus on that sort of functional training area which is my belief of which is the best way to to train most effective way and most cost-effective way um, and, uh, you know, help businesses do the same in some respects. Well, I want to come back to that sort of niching out and building your studio based upon your niche and also functional training, but I'm going to go backwards to something you said originally I thought was really interesting, sort of the, the smell and the feel of a facility, those olfactory senses. When you walk into a gym, for me, it's usually a kickboxing gym. You smell sort of the leather on all the bags and all the gloves. And it is true, you know, gyms have a a gym having a unique, not only sense of smell, but just the look and the feel, whatever that is, whether it's a certain color pattern or there's something different on the walls, uh, whatever that is, like the gym behind you having that sort of that black with the accents of neon yellow and then all over the place. I think, I think that does matter to people, whether they know it or not, it could be subconscious, but it is something that could potentially set you apart. If somebody's going to be paying 60, 70, 80, 90, $120 an hour for a personal trainer, well, it, you you better look the part physically, but your gym better look the part, right? You you better have the 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 appropriate equipment and and also have a, a look and a feel to the facility. And I think that's probably underrated by most personal trainers because you don't learn that business side. 
you're, you're looking at the body from a kinesiology standpoint, right? What can I do from a functional standpoint? And then maybe you're working at a, a gym. And then when you have to open up your own gym, all of these things that are, that are sort of surrounding that business portion are, are not, are like unbeknownst to trainers. They, they have no idea that this is coming. Mm, yeah. And, and a lot of the, we, we work, we, we run a podcast ourselves called Escape Your Limits. And I interview a lot of the top trainers that work with many big actors and movies, movie stars and, and musicians and that kind of stuff. And, you know, they, the, the same, they really, you know, they're, they're obviously going after a particular demographic, but all of those small details, uh, Gunnar Peterson is a great person. If you ever get to check out his studio in LA, the, the, the attention to detail is incredible. You know, when, outside of the fact that it's amazing um, gym in terms of all the equipment that's in there and how he's got it set up in a relatively small space, but just everything that that he does with with the clients, the water bottles, the towels, the that the whole thing is 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 really really well engineered from beginning to end, and um, and 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 that's that's him, that's his brand, and and everybody has their own um, brand on it. But I, I think you know nowadays it's okay, it's great to be a great trainer, and that that will definitely get you very far. And I don't want to play that down, but if you're if you're going and trying to bring in clients and, and expand your business, and um, then then you really need to, to think about that because those are the things that when you when the type of clients that you're attracting, whether when they go into a hotel or a restaurant, which they obviously will do, these types of I guess um, unconscious um, things like pumping scents into the hotel lobby and all that stuff that that's going on everywhere. So when they come into a training studio, they're, they're going to recognize that even if, even if they, they can't necessarily put their finger on it. Yeah. I worked at a country club for a long time and they had towels at the front desk and you, you don't realize how little things like that matter to people. And if someone were to come to the front desk and those towels were not ready and folded, it, it was if uh, it was as if they, uh, you took all of the exercise equipment away. They couldn't work out that day. But it is the little things like that, giving your clients the little, whether it's water or towels or whatever that thing is, that little bit of extra each time that, that sets them and you sort of sets your gym apart from everyone else's. But I, but I want to get into the uh, the functional training a little bit, because uh, to me, there was, of course, we had the bodybuilding phase, the Arnold Schwarzenegger type lifting in the 80s and 90s, even early 2000s, where it's like, okay, I'm going to do four, eight, six reps. I'm going to work in one plane of motion. It's all about vanity. And then we, you know, between CrossFit and I think people just got smarter and said, I need to make sure that I'm moving in all planes of motion and really focus on mobility. So we started to do that more. You saw more corrective exercise. You saw more things like the TRX suspension and bands and things of that nature. Tom Brady came out with the TB12. He didn't touch a weight. All these things got in. But to me, I'm looking at the younger kids now and I see it going back the other way. When I go to the gym now, you know, I'm, I'm 37, so I'm not old by any means, but the 20 year olds, they are all lifting heavy. They're all moving in one plane of motion. They don't do any functional fitness. I mean, they might be grab a kettlebell, but they're grabbing a hundred pound kettlebell and doing two or three squat to high poles. So uh, why do you think this shift happens? Do you think that it starts in certain part of the country? Is it the social media thing? Do you think it's just an ebb and a flow? Young kids lift heavy, they get injured, they learn, and then they go back to functional training as they get older. Well, it's, it's very interesting. I, I um, we, We're very fortunate that I get a lot of information that probably most people don't get access to and because we work with most of the major fitness brands uh we you know, I, I know many of the ceos and 
in fact, I did an interview at an event called Cybec about two or three weeks ago, and I, we, we talked about these very subjects. And I said to them, look, what are, what are trends on the gym floor? What are you seeing? What are people using more of? What are the people using less? And has it changed since people have come back from the pandemic? And, and, and we really went into detail on it. And, and you know, what, what you said is absolutely correct. Um, the, the, the majority of the big bands that most people will be aware of are seeing a reduction in, in use. The uh, um, bikes, ellipticals, treadmills as well. But you know, the funny thing is, pe- people are, are now using the treadmills. Um, females is is a lot of the programming is being influenced by TikTok. So they're you know they're they're, they're sort of walking on an incline. Uh, my guess is that there's and I've not seen this particular trend, but there's um, you know slow speed on an incline. Um, and activating sort of glutes and quads and, and that type of stuff. So people are not running on it in, in a lot of cases. They're actually using it in a slightly different way to, to what we would become um, aware of. Um, the, the freeway side in particular was always very busy, but it's, it's even more busier, and particularly the requirement for squat racks. And this is, this is across a number of you know, major chains. But the interesting, and, and, and what they're doing is they're investing in more squat racks as a result of that, more benches, more squat racks. But the, the interesting difference is the, the people that are using the squat racks. And you'd think that it's, it's the guys like you spoke about that want to you know, get really buff. But it's actually the women. Um, the majority of when, when you know, this particular person I spoke to, when they did a study, the majority of the squat racks were now being used by women. Um, you know, again, doing a lot of lower body exercise, et cetera. But this was, this was a big shift because you, years ago, you didn't really get, you, you get the odd probably, you know, five or 10% of, of usage would be for female. Now it's, you know, that, that's what's happening, which is an interesting change. So why is it happening? Well, you know, I've certainly noticed this sort of, um, you know, this, this whole sort of full, full circle. That's where exactly I came from. You know, when I, years ago, that's what we did. And, and it's so funny to sort of see this as being cool again. And, and you know, if you look at what's happening on social media and the, and, the, and the type of people that are influencing the younger generation, then they do look like kind of, okay, they're not sort of necessarily Dorian Yates style size, but they are more of a kind of a Frank Zane classic bodybuilder look. You know, that, that's, that's the kind of look that people are striving for. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know why it's come from. All, all I can think of is probably social media has had a big part to play with it. If you look at things like UFC, you know, you look at the, look at the sort of classic UFC fighter shape, then again, it's, it's, it's lean, it's athletic, it's muscular, not too much, but, but that's the sort of look. And I suppose that's what, probably what people want to look like, I, I, I guess, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny. I I, uh, I think you you're right. Uh, I don't know exactly where it's coming from. Social media seems to be somewhat of a driver, both from a, I would say a, a male and female standpoint. In, insofar as what what maybe one uh, gender assumes the other gender wants the other to look like, and what I mean by that is uh, if if there's a lot of let's say celebrities and stars who have really strong lower bodies, and I'll that's politically correct. Uh, without naming particular muscles, but that are very big, right? So the, you're, you're behind, your glutes. And it, it appears that that is now in fashion from a lifting standpoint, not necessarily uh, cardio, 
people aren't doing as much cardio, but I will see at any given time in this gym, granted, there could be four or 500 people in this gym, but the, an exercise that I've never seen done before until about seven or eight years ago, which is the barbell across your hip glute bridge yeah. with three or four plates on each side. And there'll be girls lined up along the wall, all doing this exercise specifically for what I would consider vanity esque reasons, right? They're, they're not trying to jump higher. They're not doing this for any sort of athletic prowess. And I would argue that it doesn't help any athletic prowess. It's, it's to build your glutes for size and for a look, a particular look that's going for and uh, to each their own. Uh, I think all exercise is good, provided it doesn't ha come with some sort of mental anguish where you're only trying to get better and better and better and better and stronger and stronger. As long as you're comfortable in your body, all exercise is good. But I, I do think uh, social media does have a, a, a large portion of directives and in how people are deciding to use exercises and why they're deciding to do things. But, and, and I hope that it, it switches back the other way. I'm always a promoter of it's good to move in all planes of motion. You should go to the gym sometimes and not even think about what you're going to do. Walk in, feel it out, warm up a little bit, see how you're moving. Maybe you go play basketball for an hour. Maybe you go swimming. Maybe you do body weight, maybe hit the dumbbells, but to have such a structured routine and only focus on what I would consider vanity is, is, is not great. Well, I, I think it's, it's an interesting subject. And I, I guess you got that people fall into many different categories. I, I suppose the first thing that I would say is, look, if people are getting off the couch and getting in the gym, then that's great. You know, that's a great first step. And then through that, whatever that gym is, it, you know, being able to then educate themselves and learn from trainers like yourself that can then help, because people have got to have education. Where do they get it from at the moment? Well, it's probably it's probably social media, if, if we're honest about it. Um, I, I believe I, I interviewed uh, Brett Contreras, who's the glute guy who, uh, you know, I believe invented the move. And, you know, he, he did a bunch of research on it, both in sports specific and for a lot of the sort of bikini models that, that they train. And, and um, you know, he's got his own views on it. I, I, I guess I... I don't know enough about it to necessarily comment, but I, I suppose, um, you know, through that, it's, it's it, and, and role models, we're all affected by role models and what we see. I, I think that that is driving people in, into the gym and, and, and doing particularly, particular exercises well bad. And I, I'm industry then it's really for us to, to, you know, to try and take that. I think, you know, we all want maybe six packs. A lot of guys want, some biceps and and uh you know pecs and and all those things and and if you can i don't think there's any harm in striving for that i've, I've always I, I think to be honest the thing that got me into fitness years ago was wanting to have some some big biceps like a friend of mine you know that that was that was the thing and and for many years it, it was always a thing but but what that probably has done is is it's one it, it helped me create a business in the fitness industry which is sort of you know, changed my life really through what the business has done. So it means that, you know, sort of 52 year, years old, I've pretty much trained with, you know, with the odds short period, but I've pretty much trained the whole of my life and still do to this day four or five times a week. And, 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 and I, I guess as a result of that, I have a very different life to someone that, that doesn't. So I, I suppose it's trying to embrace things that are working, that are moving people in a direction and then being able to, through education and, and, and influence like yourself and, um, 
is, is to try and sort of say to people, okay, well, look, that's good. Why, why not now sort of in, incorporate, you know, make sure you're balancing yourself out for a start and, and, and try and incorporate, as you say, some of the more functional rotational types of movements, even to be fair, CrossFit, as, as though they, I think they did a great, they made a great difference to the, um, to the world of fitness that there wasn't a lot of, uh, sort of rotational training in CrossFit. I don't know whether that's changed. I don't follow it anymore, but it was, it was still very linear in terms of a lot of the movement. So, but, but, you know, it brought a lot of people in and, and, you know, hopefully those people went on to do, you know, better things for them. Yeah. And you know what, to be uh, clear, I echo your thoughts completely as far as people getting off the couch, whatever they're doing is fine, right? Their, their, their goal and their will to be healthy is great. Where I sort of nitpick is with people in the industry, trainers, people who have less specialties. And I think an issue that I have, and we don't really have to go down this hole, but we don't live in a vacuum. So if you choose to do one exercise, that means you're choosing not to do another exercise, essentially. So you have these people who come out with these studies, and I love poking holes in them and say, okay, we do glute bridges for four weeks, and then this athlete improved this way. It's like, well, you didn't do another exercise, right? So if, if you did that study, and instead of doing glute bridges, they were only doing let's say box jumps, what would have happened? So I'm not saying that you can't improve using one particular exercise, but what else could you have done? And that's, that's what I like doing. I sort of like poking holes at other people's Mm. training regiments and saying, yeah, I I understand that works. And really another issue with a lot of these studies, you'll see these people who take 18, 19, 20 year old athletes and they work with them and they go through these, these studies. It's like, well, anything you would have done with this person probably would have helped given their sort of athletic prowess is so high. Take a 55 year old, a 60 year old and say, okay, we want to do speed and agility training. Well, you can do back squats all you want. I'm going to do actual speed and agility training. And my 55 year old is going to be faster than yours, most likely. But mm. that's, that's a whole nother conversation, but I do mm. like poking holes at people's studies who are all yeah. about lifting heavy. It is. And, it, and it's, uh, I had a conversation in the car with a trend who is, is a sort of top trainer um, about this very subject. And, and it's, it's an interesting one because I suppose if you are a trainer and you've got some natural gift, maybe you can do a particular jump. I think the guy that he was talking about had a particular skill at a, at a vertical jump. He was just genetically gifted. Sure. What he did do is he, he then added um, a lot of energy and effort and training to that, which took, him, you know, took his natural ability to another level. And then as a complete package, he was a, he was a freak of nature. And then what he did is he then worked with, with certain people um, to make an improvement. And then I think came up with a book and did a whole thing. And, and there's a number of people who sort of use this type of idea. And, and because he was a bit of a freak um, and he built on those skills, it was a great marketing vehicle to, 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 to bring in a lot of clients because he was obviously one of the, sort of renowned experts in the world with this for a, for a number of reasons. And then off the back of that, transitioned into other things um, off the back of his success at, with, this, with this vertical jump. And I, and I suppose it's like, well, is that the right thing to do? Um, and it, it's difficult from a business perspective, then it's a pretty smart strategy if you do have something, it comes back to our original point, if, if you do have something that you, that you stand out and, and you can build a bit of a brand around, which you know, get people's attention, hook them into your funnel, get them to sort of know, like, and trust you, which is what you want to do as, you know, in any kind of sales situation. 
And then once they do trust you, then kind of whatever you do behind that, you're, you've already got, got their attention. So I think from a business perspective, it works. You know, sometimes some of the claims that people will make and some of the studies are, you know, kind of a little bit stretching the truth and, and they're very specific. And as you say, you know, you could come up with the same study under some different conditions and come up with a very different result. But I, I, I don't have the answer. I, I suppose I just know that you can see what people are doing and why you would want to be controversial about something and, and why you would want to upset a lot of people and create division and, and a team of people who agree and don't agree because that's just going to get you talked about. And that, I suppose, is a lot of the tricks that people use in marketing. Whereas if a great one and you believe balance is good and you should do a little bit of everything. It's not quite, it, it, it's not controversial. It's not sexy and, and nobody's going to talk about it in the same way. So it's, it's a difficult challenge, I guess. <laughs> you mentioned one of these answers before, and if you want to just elaborate on this, it's fine. But you know, what is a common mistake you see people make when they're building out their gyms? I know you mentioned maybe not really locating their niche and then building out accordingly. If you want to expand on that, that's fine. Or if something else comes to mind. That's the first thing we, we get people all the time and uh, as a lot probably on a regular week we get lots of people coming you know coming through our website or on, on the call saying look we're looking for a gym can you do a design and and the challenge with that is is no we can't well I, I can give you a number of designs I can dump a bunch of equipment in there but that's not really what you're looking for and and what we generally do is to say, look, put the brakes on before you start putting your equipment list together, and and let's let's come back to um, you know the very basics in terms of what you know where are you going as a business? What's like you you you? It sounds like and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you've tried to get a balance between the amount of hours that you want to work as a trainer. Um, combined with some other sources of income, so that you're not just a slave to the clock and, and all you're doing, am, am I sort of right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's really important to recognize. And, and it's also important maybe to get some advice to sort of say, you know, from people that have been trainers and have, have sort of realized, yes, it's great to just fill your day with hours and get a certain amount, but you've got, you've got a limit to that. So are you going to hire another two or three trainers? Is that your goal? Or do you want to be the guy or the girl? Um, if you do want to be the guy or a girl, then, from a, from a lot of trainers that do do that, and I know a bunch of them, is they're getting up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and they're working till late in the evenings by the time they're... And, and if you know any good trainers that are also preparing a lot for those workouts as well. So it's a pretty intense job. And, and, and unless you're one of the very few that has particular clients that can afford to pay a certain amount that's going to give you the life that you want, then you may want to sort of round out your model like, probably like, like what you've done. So I think it's important for, to understand, like, what, what do you want to be doing yourself as a business? And then based on that, as I said earlier, who, who is going to be your target demographic that, 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 that suits you and who you are and what you're passionate about and what you're prepared to do, even if you're not going to make any money, which in most businesses is the case for quite a number of years. And, and um, because if you can do that, then you're going to keep going regardless of the money. You're going to do it because you've got a, a love for what you're doing and you're going to persevere when most people won't do that. So figure, figure out that, you know, what do you want to be? Who do you want to go after? And then 
try and figure out, okay, what, what are some of the things that they're going to need from a, from a location, whether it's online or offline experience, the type of training tools, then you can start putting together the type of training tools that, that will allow you to best service that, that particular client and how to lay things out. Because if you're, if you're mm. training 50 year old women, for example, and you've got a few other trainers in there and they're self, you know, they may be overweight. They may have not feel comfortable about take, you know, taking their clothes off in, in, you know, meaning their sort of regular clothes and putting on workout clothes and they don't want anyone to look at them. So, so designing it. So there's an element of privacy because if they're laying down on the floor on a foam roller or whatever, they don't, they don't, they, they just want that, that sort of element of, of, of privateness. So you, so you've got to, I suppose you've got to take all those things. Whereas if they're young 20 year olds that, that are on Instagram, then they want to be center of attention. They want everybody to look at them. They yeah. want plenty of mirrors in there and all that kind of stuff. And so you've got to know your audience. And then once you do do that, then, equipment selection and, and the quality of equipment is also important if, if you're want to go high end then you want to make sure that that what you're what you're investing in reflects that type of client you don't want to be buying your equipment off amazon and maybe you have to do that for a start but you don't want some cheap dumbbells that people are putting in their home and they and you can tell they're cheap dumbbells you know you're a professional and so you should really be using professional equipment that reflects the type of um you know who you are as a brand and the and the clients that you want and um and so that that's what I always say and it, and if not there's always an inconsistency and and when I've, as I said I've met hundreds maybe even thousands of gym owners and trainers and businesses around the world and and the ones that that are successful uh, do those things that the ones that are not as successful don't do there, there's definitely a bit of a recipe uh, on it. And, and that's why as an organization, we spend so much time, one, speaking to people. Uh, you know, we've, I've been interviewing people for nearly five years now every single week. And I ask them these same questions. So we interview people and then try, then, then work with them, find out the problems that they need solving, um, find out the things that make a difference to their business over 24 year old, 24 year period. And then, then sort of help them with with solutions around that. So, so it's definitely a blueprint if you look for it. Yeah, and it's very nuanced as you described. There's a lot of things that people don't that they don't think about. It's not like throwing a squat rack in your garage and going for it, right? You have the psychological portion, which matters a lot. I've trained in gyms that were women only and a lot of older women. And like you said, it's going to be a, a different way in which you structure that gym based upon sort of the psychology of what's going on. Then, so I, I trained at a country club where you had old and young. So you had a lot of the young kids who were into Olympic lifting and they would drop the weights. And you had the 65 year old golfer curmudgeon who would come over and start yelling at the kid as if he was doing something wrong. Well, we know he's not doing something wrong, right? We don't, we, we want to make sure that we focus on the concentric and not the eccentric and drop the weight in certain Olympic movements. But then again, it's rattling the whole gym. So, well, that, that wasn't a great design, right? There should have been a separate Olympic lifting section in that gym. So you have the sort of the logistics of what's going on. And then like you mentioned, sort of the ergonomics, how are you building out that gym from a spatial look and where the equipment can be used? And if you plan to hire three or four trainers, potentially, can you have three or four trainers work in that gym at the same time? Do you have a separate section for that gym where the trainers go, if you're going to have other people working out and all of those things, that you, one has to think about before they just say, hey, I'm going to get the, my favorite equipment and throw it in a space. 
And you've also, you know, you then get into, like you talked about noise, you've got music, you know, like that is a big thing. Some people want loud music, like there's a great place that just not far from here called Dog Pound. There's one in LA, one in New York. You know, that's a particular type of person. They've got Victoria's Secret models and, and you know, that that's the vibe in there. It's, it's, it's kind of like a nightclub, whereas there could be, you know, different demographic. They don't want the loud music. They want it quieter and, you know, in the background. And that also comes in terms of your recruitment process for the trainers and people that you bring on with you. They also need to, yes, there's a lot of trainers that can do the job, but, but you know, are they a brand fit? Because you, you don't want someone that has a different view of their brand and because and, that's going to create issues. And I'm sure you, you've got lots of stories about <laughs> how those problems are there. So you want to be recruiting people that are, you're recruiting against your your brand values. That's what you want to be looking for as opposed to, you know, yes, obviously you, 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 you'd want to make sure that they've got all the relevant qualifications that goes without saying, but beyond that, you need to make sure that, that there's a, you know, that the values are being shared with, with who you define yourself as being as well. Yeah. That's actually a good point to make to young personal trainers, people who just get their first certification and go, well, I can't go into a gym. I don't really have a style yet or a niche people want to take you under their wing and sort of teach you their way. This is how our gym does it. This is how we go about this process. So sometimes it's an advantage to be what I would consider a clean slate and have someone take you under their wing and they'll teach you their way instead of coming in with all these, you know, presuppositions about, Oh, this is how I train. I only use kettlebells. I only do this um, rather than coming in as a, as a blank slate, so to speak, so that you can be taught by a, a mentor um, on how they, they work in their particular gym. Mm. what's yeah, your uh thoughts on virtual training do you do any uh personally have you worked with any uh, i know i'm sure you have gym owners that say hey we're going to be doing some virtual training do you help them maybe pick particular equipment and how do you go about that process i'm a bit biased on this one because we have a partnership with uh flexit a company called flexit so we we provide screens um for gyms with a lot of our frames and functional training equipment. So if you're in, um, and we're actually sort of launching it in about a month's time, but if you're in a, if you're in a hotel gym or an apartment complex where there's no trainer, then you could go in there, book a trainer, have all your equipment and, and, and they can take you through an experience. And, and so I, I think that, um, that there's obviously nothing like the face-to-face experience it, that you, you can't replace that in, in anything. So it's, it's not a substitute for, but certainly the world we're all living in, it's, it's just, it's not always possible to be able to do that for maybe from a cost perspective or time or location. And, and so if it was a choice of, well, you, you've decided that you need a trainer and I, you know, for me, anybody that's, um, that's, that's getting on their fitness journey if they can afford it, I would always recommend that they get the best trainer they can because there's just so much to learn um, outside of just the motivation itself that you, you're just going to save yourself years of, of issues if, by, by getting a, a, a really good qualified trainer. And, and I don't think it's, um, and I'm going to dot around a little bit here, but it, it's not just fit, fitness, as you know, is, is one component. Um, I've got a good friend, I don't know if you know, Michelle Dalcor and he, he and I had this conversation. Um, he has a big edu- you know, leading education company. And he says in, in a lot of cases, 
um, clients come to him and the first thing they need to do is, is, is to recover because they're highly inflamed, they're, they're, they're stressed out, they're not sleeping and resting enough. And, and before you stick them onto a program, he just wants to get them back to, to the right position so that you can then start building them up. Uh, whereas a lot of people think, well, let, let me let me jump into a hit class and that, that's where I start. And, and so you, you've got to really have somebody that knows what they're doing and, and has spent a decent amount of time studying it and is studying the right type of information that's had informa- has, has had experience with clients or has been mentored in some way that can give you a basic assessment in terms of where you're at at the moment and, and, to, and to help you with with some key steps at what you should do going forward and and a lot of that can be done virtually because it's not always exercise based it, it could it, maybe you have one session with a trainer where they're just working with you on your technique and and helping understand where you might be tired you can't get into the positions and giving you a few things that you can do so you can actually move correctly before you start loading on any weight but but you really make sure that an assessment you know and um, and then I think the the virtual training can can really be a bit of a sort of a, a substitute or or you're doing in in between uh, maybe the weekly monthly face to face session. So I, I believe it's got it's got a place providing it's used correctly. Um, I like I'd, I'd always prefer to do face to face if I could, but but my job means I can't always do that. So if, if I can jump on a screen and get someone on there to, to kind of, you know, give me what I need, then, then great. What, what do you think about virtual? I think it's here to stay. So whether people like it or not, tough, it's here. COVID, I think, expedited it. So it was starting to come along and then COVID happened, gym shut down and people had no choice. If you had a personal trainer and you still wanted to work or you couldn't go to your gym anymore, you had to go online, whether that was you just simply looking up a YouTube yoga video, or whether that was you and your personal trainer hopping on a Zoom like we are now, Matthew, you had to do something virtually. So I think there's a percentage of people who did it and thought, you know what, this isn't that bad. I think I can continue to do this. And there's some people who, like you said, the personal side of the personal training, that client relations, that relationship you built can never be overtaken. So maybe they're using virtual as a supplement, but they'll always also do that one-on-one personal training. But either way, if you're a trainer or somebody in the fitness industry to not have a little bit of a foothold in the online realm, I think is a big mistake because it's here to stay. Whatever fashion that is, whether it's someone like me who's trying to build a, a software where people, the general population can meet trainers and they can work out together, or whether it's someone like you who has, you know, <clears throat> a hand in Flexit where people can just, you know, use their equipment as be and have sort of a virtual personal trainer right there. It, it's here. There's going to be some people who prefer that. And I, I do believe, though, that what may happen, and this is just a guess, is you'll see like a different demographic and population start personal training. I think personal training will become more expensive. I hope <laughs> it's a good, it's good <laughs> for me. And you'll see people who have more money, specifically personal training, and you won't see people, everyone else is going to stick to the, to the online game. So your twenties and 30 year olds who don't have that sort of money can pay a $12 a month subscription fee to flex it or something of the like, and they can go through that process. Right. Or, or, and then you're going to see this 67 year old woman 
who's retired and has a 401k and worked for IBM for 25 years say, you know what, I want that one-on-one personal trainer. I feel safer with, with Steve than I do sort of the online program. And that's fine. It, I think the, the cream will rise to the top. The better trainers will get those clients and uh, the virtual training will, will, will work itself out in the long run. Mm. I've got a friend who he, uh, David Minton, he, he does um, what's called the state of the industry report every year and studies thousands of, fitness facilities and looks at data and trends. It's a great report. I'd recommend checking it out. It's, he's just released one recently. And, um, you know, he, he sort of has a belief. He said, look, any, everyone should really have, everyone that goes into a gym should have their own trainer. And he, gave, he, he gave, makes a lot of good arguments for that because he said, look, really, if, if you go into a gym, the, the majority of people outside, someone like yourself and me and probably people that have, been doing this as as a as a business but the majority of people that come into gyms to work out have have no clue about what they're doing they they've they've no information they they're just you know right here's a gym here's an induction and then they're left on their own and and no accountability no motivation no education and so the chances of um well we know we, the, the industry knows how long on average people stay and 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 when they quit so we know that that model isn't successful yet if you look at the stats with clubs that have personal trainers you there's there's just a massive difference so it's clear that if you if you do work with a trainer it's going to help you get your fitness goals and I, and I think when you start to look at the benefits of health fitness and wellness and I, I think I'd recommend any trainer that are coming into the space now is to is to not narrow themselves down into just purely exercise i would i would think about expanding that because there's a lot more value if you can if you can do that but if there's you know the benefits to people's life by understanding everything around this sort of whole wellness personal wellness um is huge and and in, in fact it's it's a lot more important you know what's more important a new car or your health well probably when you're 25 you'd say a new car but when you're 50 and 60 and you're facing a life-threatening disease or you've been told that maybe you've got two or three years to left or maybe your health is severely compromised that you can no longer do the majority of things that you can do when you're younger. Um, when you look at the consequences, you know, I know there's, there's probably nobody that would choose the car over their health. And so how much do you pay a month on your, on your car payments, including your insurance? You know, how much do you yeah. pay? And, and what if you... What if you substituted a percentage of that into, um, into your own personal health and wellness? What if you substituted a percentage of the amount of alcohol that you drink in a month to your personal health and wellness? What if you substituted one of the meals that you went out with on that health and wellness? So, so suddenly you're balancing the investment in your life. And okay, you could say, well, look, you know, maybe I'll get out and run, run over by a bus. Yeah, okay, that could happen. But assuming... That doesn't, and, and, and assuming that you've got to live with this body for as long as possible with the best quality of life. And I, I think people, trainers are not selling themselves in the way that they should be and right. marketing themselves in the way they should be. And, 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 and if they were to be able to do that, they would not only be fulfilled because they're making a difference to people's lives, but they would also be earning a, a great income providing for themselves and and there's so many more you know there's such a small percentage of people that 
are members of a health club or a fitness program. And, and, and there's such a huge amount of people that really need something that don't have any involvement in fitness. So there's no shortage of people to go after. There's yeah. just a shortage of ways to get them interested and appreciate the value in it over something like, you know, making an extra $500 a month payment on a car. And that's, I think, what, that's, that's the question. That's the sort of problem the industry needs to be doing a better job at solving, I think. Completely. Yeah. And part of it, the trainers, some trainers have what's, you know, that imposter syndrome. They just think uh, they only see what social media shows them. So they always see maybe more higher level trainers than them and go, well, what can I give this person? There's all these other trainers out there. But I think the really bigger problem is like you said, they believe they're being salesy, but they're not. I'm, you're helping somebody go into older age in better health. And I always tell trainers, compare it to clients, especially clients who have money, their finances. They're trying to save for old age. They're putting money away into savings accounts and 401ks and doing all this stuff. Well, they need to also prepare their bodies for old age. And who wants to be 65 and retired and have all this money when they're the least capable of using it? If you can't, you know, you're not going to be able to take that trip to Rome if you're in a wheelchair or if you have COPD or if you have gout and go walk around Rome. So if you've been planning all of these things for retirement and later on in your life, you also have to focus on your body uh, and ensure that when you have the most money, you're, you're capable of using it. And I think that uh, trainers are either, I, I don't know, I, part of it may be, they're not working with older clients. And I think once you've worked with people in their 60s and 70s and 80s, you, you see, you see what, what could be, right? You see the difference I mean, I, I'll have clients, Matthew, who are 70 years old, and one has the, I would say, the anatomical movement structure of a 50-year-old, and the other one has that of a 90-year-old, because the one person was working out their entire lives. They paid a trainer. They were doing the right things, and the other person was not, and they started too late. They started after mm -hmm. retirement, and I think- uh, Well, you can, you can, as you know, I think you can still make a big improvement whenever you start. Certainly. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a huge amount of of, of things that you can do. But, but I, I do think you're right. You know, if, if you flip that question around and said to somebody when they were 70, like, you know, would you have preferred, you know, what, what would you have done if you'd have bumped into me like 30 years ago? And I could have, you know, I could have got you to be in a different position than what you're in now. You know, would you have wanted that to have happened? And everyone would have said that. Yeah. I wish I met you 20 years ago. Um, you hear these stories all the time and it's, and it's, it, it's, you know, it's our responsibility. It's not, I, I think a lot of people have this in sales and even professional salespeople, as you're right, call it imposter syndrome or something, but they, they just feel uncomfortable. They, they, they have a belief system that sort of makes them think that it's, it's being salesy to do this and, and they've got to get over it and, and, um, and, and, and just really question a lot of, if, if that is what they're thinking, they've really got to question it because, because these people need, even myself, I've learned so much. I'm in this all the time. And I, even at my age, after being in this for 25 years, I, I'm, I learn every day I'm learning new things. And I think, damn, I wish I learned that a long time ago. You know, that would have made a big difference. I'm grateful for this information. And if you're a young trainer, like you, you've got, you've got so much to offer people and, and, and it is about, you know, we, we've gone again full circle, but it's about deciding who you want to, who's your target audience. And I would say in some cases, rather than trying to be the, the celebrity trainer, there's only a few of those. There's only so much space. There's only so many celebrities. They're the sort of 0.0001%, not easy to get into that. But there's so many 
baby boomers that have kids have left home, maybe sold the business, maybe retired, got a lot of time on their hands, got a lot of um, disposable income, um, but don't have the quality of life, as you said, to match that. And, and that is, that's a, that's a great place to go after. And maybe you've got to sort of re, re you know, go back to school and, and learn a lot of stuff, learn how to market to these people, learn how to talk and coach and understand their goals and, and, and all these things. And, and, and you can, you can probably stand out because there's probably not a lot of people that are really going after that. There's a few, you see a few people on YouTube and social media, but, but I, they're all going after the same people who they're all trying to target the same people who don't actually need it. That, uh, you know, in the beginning you talked about the young kids and guys and girls on Instagram that want, want the muscles, Like they don't need you as a trainer. You know, they, they know it themselves. They know everything. So you can't, there's nothing that you can teach because <laughs> they're unteachable. They just want to watch their influencer on TikTok tell them what to do. So you, you're almost wasting your time in some cases trying to go after that, you know, and do your YouTube videos, all these crazy exercises like a lot of people do. You know, it's great stuff, but that's not going to, that's not going to get my dad interested in, in coming to talk to you. You know, where you, who you, how are you going to make money from those people? Uh, yeah. And so, you know, some people will never learn until, uh, including yours truly. I mean, until I had a torn labrum and an inguinal hernia, I didn't, you know, I thought I was doing everything correctly. So sometimes there is no teaching. They'll, they'll just find out on their own. But yeah, I want to sort of <laughs> pivot here real quick and, and ask you some business related questions. And uh, you could talk about maybe yourself personally, anecdotally, or just um, any information you have and uh, advice, but, you know, what would you tell people who are stuck in business, whether it's personal training or they're starting a gym and they feel like, okay, there's no more revenue coming in, or like, I don't, I don't know my next step, or I want to expand and I need more revenue or whatever, like they're just stuck in a place. Do you have advice? Do you, do you yourself get a business partner? Do you hire a coach? Do you say it's just time to pivot? What, what, what would your advice be? It's a difficult one, and, it, and I, I know a lot of people are probably in that situation at, at the moment. You know, I've certainly been there in a lot of times. And, and what, what you've probably got to do, and, and someone's sort of advised me on this as well, is, is you can't make a quantum leap from where you are to somewhere different. It, it Maybe may someone, you bump into someone one day and they take your life in a totally different direction. But generally, that doesn't happen. So so what, what you've got to do is is take a little bit of a – an audit on on sort of where you are and some of the things and the people and the connections that you've got that are working and then the things and the time you spend and, and that that's that's not working and 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 try and sort of gradually move out from the stuff that's not working and and put more time into the things that are working. I, I did this years ago when I was a I used to work for my grandfather. I had a bit I was in the dental business actually when I was a teenager and um, and I just sort of I, I didn't want to be in that business. I wanted to be in the gym business. And so I never really gave it my full, um, I never really gave it my full attention and effort. I just sort of, and, and, and as a result, my life didn't really move on too much. I just kind of stayed where I was. And, and I, it's a very long story, but I met someone, there was a network marketing company called Amway. I went to uh, one of these big events, kind of like a network marketing event and they, you know, hype you all up and do all this kind of stuff. And, tried to get you to sell their soap and all that stuff. But what one of the things I did get was he gave me a bunch of, um, of these 
cassette tapes, which is, you know, give you an idea of how long back I'm going. <laughs> and I used to put them in my car and he said, just listen to some of these. And I, and, and, and I never heard of that stuff before, personal development. And wherever I went, I was hooked on it. And, and through listening to a lot of these, these cassettes, I sort of changed my way of thinking. And I thought, well, I don't want to work for this Amway company, but I would, I'd love to own a company like that myself one day. And, and so what I decided, there, there was a guy on one of these speakers that used to talk about, you know, make dress for success. And so I started to, I went out and brought a bunch of new clothes, started to dress differently. I, the little place that I worked in, I thought, right, I'm going to give it a hundred percent. Even though this is not what I want to do, I'm going to sort of make it, make it clean, tidy. I painted it up. I, you know, we did a bit of re, um, you know, sort of rebuilding and, sort of up my marketing and I, and I sort of built that to a pretty decent size it was it was the sort of it was as the best that I could I could take it to and and it sort of got me to a position it allowed me to grow myself and it got me to a position where I then had this I met a guy and I had this small opportunity to um, he was looking for some dumbbells he owned a gym and I that's kind of how I started escape and I said to my dad do you think you could find a place that makes these because he was an engineer and we found a set of dumbbells and I made my sort of first transaction. And that was really how Escape Fitness started. It, it was, you know, we didn't have any money. We, we just started with these dumbbells and then weight plates. And so I, I think what, what to sort of deconstruct that story is, is, is you've really got to make the most of where you are. And you've got to ask yourself, well, am I really making the most of where I am? Am I developing myself? Am I, do I understand the sort of skills that I need to get me to a next level to make me a better person? Uh, to make me more attractive to potential investors or business people or, you know, partners or whatever. Am I giving it 100% and, and, and am I being honest with myself when I say that? And then what you'll find is that you will, you will get to a place where some different doors will open that are currently closed and you don't know what those doors are and you can't see them and there's no way for you to anticipate what they're likely to be. But, but when you get there, you know, the next stage of opportunity will open and then you have to choose which doors to go through. And, and that is kind of what continues to happen through life. But um, it, it's, it sort of starts with yourself, really. And, um, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of sort of reflection and, and thinking and planning and learning and, and working. And, and then eventually you'll get yourself out of where you need to be. But definitely fill your head with that kind of stuff and then fill your head with junk on social media watching what people are doing that you feel you should be doing but you're not watching people on youtube or whatever that are doing what you're doing you know if you're going to watch someone on youtube then go and watch someone that can teach you something that's going to improve your situation but you know don't watch someone that that you know you you come away from it feeling you know demotivated and that you know they're why are they in a place that you should be for example that's my thoughts. <laughs> I think that's great advice. And I certainly echo one of the points you made about, you know, how you cleaned up everything in the business, even though you didn't want to be there anymore, you made sure that it was as tidy and perfect and you did as good a job as you could prior to leaving. I think it's a cliche term, but always pretending as if someone's watching you is very important, whether you're personal training and you think there could be potential clients watching you or whether you're doing whatever other action you're doing, because that could be your golden ticket, so to speak. Somebody who sees you on a day-to-day -day basis who says, you know what, I think Matthew would be a great employee. Or if I was going to start a company, I trust Matthew. I see his work ethic. And I think 
people sometimes forget that, that that's the case. You're, you're, you are being watched. People are watching and, and judging you, and you should pre- pretend as if that is the case. Hmm. And, you, you know, you, you've got to become and, and again, it's a cliche saying, but you've got, to be, you've got to become the person that you want to be. And maybe you think that you are that person, but you're probably not because you you are where you are and you've got to you've got to go through some level of personal growth to recognize because you know you can look back at all the stages in your life and and you always look back and think oh I, I thought I knew everything then but I didn't know what I know now it's just that's just life and so the, the reason you are where you are is because you've not figured something out that you think you have mm-hmm. and you have to sort of be humble and uh, drop your ego and, and accept, okay, what is that thing? You know, what, what do I need to become so that I am going to be more attractive? And I'm not talking about physically attractive, but I'm going to attract the things and the people and the opportunities into my life that will get me to where I am. And, and you know, sometimes it could take a long time. You know, it's certainly there's been many situations. It's taken me years to figure that out. But but there will come a day where that happens and, and you know, you, you will get there. Matthew, let my audience know where they can find more about you personally, more about escape and any other business ventures you have. Um, on LinkedIn, from a business perspective, it's Matthew Janicek. Uh, um, Instagram, again, Matthew Janicek. And we've got a website, which is escapefitness.com. So if you're looking for any kind of fitness equipment or if you're thinking of opening a gym or, Want any advice on a business plan? You can you can go there and fill in one of the forms, and then YouTube. We put out a bunch of free content uh, for anybody that's in the fitness space, workouts, nutrition, training, fitness businesses, anything personal development. We drop some of that in. So that's that's Escape Fitness. That's our YouTube channel as well. Um, you know, check out and subscribe to that. And uh, yeah, if there's anything else I can help you with, then let me know. <laughs> My guest today has been Matthew Janusek. Matt, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Thanks very much, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform. And feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.